Welcome, Pewter Report readers and listeners, to another edition of the Pewter Report podcast, a victory Monday edition NFC championship game, victory Monday podcast. Taylor Jenkins is with me here, and this podcast is energized by our friends over at Celsius. Taylor, crazy game yesterday. Not sure if you heard, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the very same Tampa Bay Buccaneers that you know very well and hold yeah. very dear to your heart, are in the Super Bowl. How it's do you wild. About that? It's wild. I mean, this is the first time since I was, what, eight years old, we can say that? Yeah. I was a child. I had... I, I, I was so young that I, I mean, it was it's a blur to me thinking back on the last time I could say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are going to the Super Bowl. So 13-year playoff streak broken, you know, tw- almost 20 years since they've been in the last Super Bowl. Wild experience. They, we, know, we knew they couldn't make it easy yesterday. They had a 28-10 to 10 lead in the third quarter, and I said, this ain't going to cut it. You got to get it a little closer. You got to make the fans' heart rates rise. They did that, but they came out victorious in a wild victory Monday that I honestly can't believe is here. I know. It's, uh, man, even when these playoffs started, you know, I think we felt good about Washington, but after that, I was unsure what would happen. Yeah. And the fact that you're here, I mean, it's just so difficult to get to the Super Bowl. And, you know, this Bucks team, the journey to get here, man, we'll reflect on it some today and we'll take your questions, your comments, your criticisms, your thoughts about the game that just happened, your thoughts about the Super Bowl against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, we're going to get into all that today. We're going to fl- reflect some on this season and how players that have struggled have stepped up and what an unbelievable team effort it has been to get to this point. It is not the blueprint necessarily that has happened in the NFL over the last five, ten years the teams have followed. But the Bucks are here, and it is sweet. And all of this on the podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Celsius. <laughs> If you don't know, Celsius powers active lives every day, Taylor. I've got my Celsius right here, a little blueberry pomegranate. You know that's my favorite. If you listen to the podcast regularly, you know blueberry pomegranate is my go-to. It's a victory Monday, so you know i got to have it out. Also, I've slept like four hours because I've written like six articles and watched tape and called advertisers and all kinds of stuff today. So it's been one of those days. I'm happy to pump to be on the podcast with y'all even tonight, but I need one of these because I got a few more hours to go. I got to finish this game tape, write another column. And that's what's great about Celsius is they give you that energy. There's not the crash afterward. You don't get that bloated feeling you get from other things. You've got that kind of kick that you get from, if you like soda, honestly, I think these are like for you. I mean, and I'm not even a soda person and I love Celsius, but I think they're really free because they've got that, that bite, that spark that you get the caffeine and everything, but there's no, none of the sugar, but there's no sugar in these at all. And so they're just awesome for you. They give you the energy you need. The flavors are great. They taste great. There's a million different flavors. You can find them all over the Tampa Bay area. Or if you're not in the Tampa Bay area, even look up Celsius.com, get your store locator out, check it out where your local uh, places that you can get Celsius are, or just order them on Amazon, get the variety pack on Amazon and help yourself to a bunch of different flavors. I've probably tried 12 or 13 at this point, and all of them are good. I mean, literally all of them. I did not expect that. To like all of them, but they've been great. So Celsius, especially the heat, the new heat. Oh man, the new heat are awesome. Check them out. So uh, good. Really, really good stuff for sure. All right, we got to get to these questions. Today is Victory Monday QA with the fans. So if you have questions, just let us know, man. Fire away and let's get to talking about this game and breaking it down. There's lots to get into and discuss from this game and, and, and honestly from the season and things like that. So um, uh, we've got uh, a ton to tackle today. Let's see, shifting through the questions here. What's up? Super Bowl bound. Let's go. Pewter Report gets press passes, right? You guys are going to witness history. Congrats, long lost Glazer. Much appreciated, as are all of your comments, questions. If you have super chat donations for us, we greatly appreciate those. We are close to getting to that point where we need to be able to get cameras for all of us uh, to, to upgrade this podcast. 
um, significantly. Uh, and so uh, we appreciate all those super chat donations, obviously, especially in this COVID era. Very, very helpful for us. Uh, Long Lost Glazer says, we get press passes and we are going to witness history. Yes, at least Scott will be at the game. One of the things yeah. that we, I think, is a total unknown for everyone is in this COVID era with the press passes being what they are and obviously being the Super Bowl and lots of national media are going to want to be at this game. We aren't really totally sure what kind of availability. I mean, I feel, feel good about us getting at least one, you know, like we always do, but um, we've been able to get multiple ones for regular games. But it's been it's the Super Bowl, and this is going to be a different yeah. animal with the pre, with the press box being what it is. So it might be tough to get more than one. But either way, it's going to be awesome. The team we cover is going to the Super Bowl, and I don't care who you are, man. I've said it before. If you're saying you're not excited about the team you cover winning and being successful, you're just crazy. Yeah, <laughs> no, you guys, you're lying. Right, you grew up rooting for Taylor, so I, you're going to feel that way no matter what. No, you know, there's no. But, way. I mean, you're telling me that Jenna Lane, that Greg Allman, that Rick yeah. Stroud, that you know all these people who have covered the team for a decade plus, Scott. I mean, granted, Scott, yeah. he, you know, a few of them have been around since they went to the last Super Bowl. Right, but those are you know those are the rarities, and even then, it's been so long. Are you telling me Scott's not excited to go back to one? To, you know, have another experience. You know, it's just something that doesn't come around anymore. You know, or very often, any sport, it's crazy. I mean, to get a right. chance to look at a team do like this and make this run, just unbelievable. Right. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's been a blast. There's no question, and it'll continue to be a blast. We're excited about the next couple of weeks doing the media days and things like that. Uh, one of the best parts about it is the Bucks just have literally an awesome locker room. They just have a great locker yeah. room. The team is, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, AB stuff off the field. I'm not, we're not withstanding. I'm not you know, saying anything about that, but I'm talking everybody else literally in that locker room, like character wise, far as we know, could see and just with the way, you know, the maturity and the growth. And I just think it's a, it's a great locker room to be in. I've been in other locker rooms, been talking to players for years coming out of college and stuff like that. And I think it's just an awesome locker room. It's a special collection of people. There's no, no doubt about that. Daryl wants to know, will the cannons fire at the Super Bowl when they normally would? They are not, they have not made a decision about this, Daryl. I believe that's uh, the way uh, that this works is that they're going to have to discuss that. To me, it's just an easy, you know, you make the cannons fire when anybody scores, but I know yeah. my fans might <laughs> take offense. Oh to my. I'm sorry if that's, if that's how y'all feel. I'm not saying that that wouldn't feel, but how else do you do it? You can't just do it with the bucks. Yeah. That's I feel like you I couldn't just do it with the bucks. I know everybody in Tampa wants that. Right. The cannons, want that. You know, you're, you know, that's the thing you're hosting a super bowl. No team's ever done it, mm. but like, yeah, I think you can't, if the option is to have them fire for both teams or no teams, you cannot have a Super Bowl in Raymond James Stadium and not fire the cannons. I feel like that's part of the mis- like that is what's so yeah, great about what makes it. Raymond James so fun. Yeah, I know. It's like you can't really miss out on that part of the atmosphere to something like the Super Bowl. I think you got to use that. They'll definitely be using the halftime show. I'm sure of that. Uh, Jason yeah, says, oh, making some crow tonight, Ledyard. First of all, very inhumane. How do you like yours prepared? I don't eat uh, birds. Other than chickens, I think I'm trying to think now. But no, I ate my crow last night, Jason, on the podcast. So make sure you go back and listen to Sunday night's podcast where I said I am super happy to be wrong and to be 17 and two on the season. Uh, Douglas calls me Benedict John 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 Arnold. Um, <laughs> very clever, Douglas. I know you thought about that all day <laughs> yesterday. Just couldn't wait for today's show to throw that one out there. Good stuff. Um, <laughs> this year feels meant to be. I don't see us losing again to the Chiefs. That's interesting. It does feel a little bit magical. Um, yeah. It does feel a little bit of a magical season. Even Vea coming back and the impact yesterday and the way guys have stepped up that just, you know, Andrew Adams getting game-winning pass breakup. Yeah. You win with with both of your starting safeties out against you know, probably the – one of the best vertical passers in the league. And so, yeah, just, I mean, the way Sean Murphy bunting is, we'll talk about this too some, but Taylor, how insane is it that in these playoffs, three of the best Buccaneers, three of the most impactful Buccaneers, splash play Buccaneers at least yeah. have been Sean Murphy bunting, Devin White, and Le- Leonard Fournette, who at times this season were the three bucks you were convinced needed to play last. <laughs> like everybody was. Yeah. I had fans asking me like every show, like, do we need to sit Devin White on passing downs? Like on third down, should he come out of the game? I mean, and I they honestly, they had a point. I mean, I don't know if it was ever that point where he came out of the game, but, you know, you, have, you find better ways to use them. And, uh, I mean, the fact that those three guys have been three of the most instrumental players for this team in the playoffs 
is I mean, it's a team. Like that's what it yeah. is. It's a team, and you get got you get your worst players, your players that are struggling the most over the season to play at a high level in the playoffs. I mean, everybody else just has to be decent, right? Solid and do their job, and and you you've got a chance to make a run like the Bucks have. Yeah, I mean that's what you look at, and I think Devin White probably performed better as a you know a full body of work than Sean Murphy Bunting did, and then uh, Leonard Fournette did. But I mean. There was a point in the season when we were like, you cannot continue to Definitely. give Leonard Fournette carries. There was a point in the season where we were going, right? Sean Murphy Bunting cannot be the starting wide receiver or starting cornerback in base defense. Eventually, and, and, and let me clarify too, not just us. The Bucks sat Sean Murphy yeah, Bunting down. Murphy Bunting yeah, in they, base or they, yeah, they started Jamal Dean in base. I mean, Murphy Bunting still played a lot, but they were clearly trying yeah. to simplify things for him. And, and he said, and the coaches have said, he struggled at points this season. Not only him, but Leonard Fournette. He was inactive, healthy scratch for that Vikings game. That wasn't that long ago. Now he's carrying yeah. the load. Like this wasn't just us and we were wrong and get like this was literally the coaches seeing these guys and saying like, yeah, they're not getting it done. And now here they are playing. You know, for I mean, there was a point where we said, snaps. Does Cockrell have to come in? Yeah. Does he? Right. Does Sean Murphy Bunting have to be a rotation? It probably player? should have happened in certain games this season, yeah. but given they they stuck with him and it's. Worked out well for them because he's peaking at the right time. And so it's that's one of the craziest things about this playoff is, three, is yeah. a couple of the guys that have struggled the most playing some of their best football uh, at this stage in the game. After watching the film, how did Vea look, Sean, wants, Sean Ellis wants to know. So I am actually watching offense first, and I started this afternoon. Yeah, I'll be watching finish it. tonight. And um, so I've seen a little bit, and I saw him throw their right guard, Lucas Patrick, I believe, on the ground on a play. Um, so I've seen – so I've seen some, um, and I'll see more tomorrow probably when I watch the rest of the defense. I'm writing about the offense, four plays that uh, that got the Bucks to the Super Bowl, um, four play calls specifically. I know everybody's like, wow, you like something about the play calling? I did, actually. I didn't like the first down play calling at all, basically across the board. No. But there were a few plays in this game that I thought were helped overcome other bad play calls um, and really propelled the Bucks to the Super Bowl. So I'm writing about those four plays you can see if you can guess them, maybe, but I'm writing about those four plays uh, for Bucks briefing this week, so uh, it's going to be going to be a fun article. So then I'll look more defense, but we saw enough of a live to know that, uh, yeah, it's uh, he's still it's, there. It's good stuff, yeah. <laughs> he's still he's still really good. He's still really massive. He's still an athletic yeah. freak despite being almost 350 pounds. So I mean, someone said uh, has his has his absence been understated? I don't think it was ever understated. I mean, coming into the season, we knew how important he was, and we knew what a big loss it was. I mean, not just for the run defense, but he has been he had been so good in the passing game. Mm -hmm. He was essentially a rotational pass rusher yesterday. Right, They were keeping him on the bench on first and second down and then bringing him in on third. His, mm -hmm. I think his first two plays in the game resulted in a sack. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that just speaks volumes to what kind of player he is, especially considering early in his career, when you say early like he's a 10-year veteran, but – you know, first year or two when it was like, okay, he's the nose tackle, he's the run stuffer, he needs mm -hmm. to get better in pass rush. And now he's like a rotational pass rusher as he's being weaned back into the game. Right. It's uh, He's a fascinating player, Taylor, because there are always players that, you know, that are so elite in a certain facet that they make teams change the way that they defend yeah. you. And Vea's weakness is always is that he's going to have a hard time ever putting up big sack numbers because he can't really adjust in space to, to any movement. So like there was one play, it was the play he ran over Lucas Patrick, tossed him aside. It was like, this is the NFL. Like you shouldn't be able to just do yeah. that to people. And he does it all the time. But then Rodgers just kind of maneuvers around him. So, I mean, Steps and, up and goes right. And he doesn't even I think Shaq was held on that play, but yeah, maybe. I, and, I, but I, I do like, remember Shaq was held on that play, but we'll it's a about. great, it's a great play, but it's like, there's only so, like Vea's range of limit of, uh, of uh, impact is like a little bit smaller than a guy like Aaron Donald or Grady Jarrett or something yeah. like that. But the trait that he has is just this overwhelming power. In the NFL, you just don't have a lot of guys that have that moving forward. Like they can anchor and hold their ground. He's obviously elite at that. But the fact that he can do it moving forward, he can keep moving people constantly. Almost every play yeah. if he's not doubled. That's You just don't see that all the time. And so I wonder if teams will start changing the way that they that they pass block him. If they will start literally just trying to get on his edge and run him off the field and have quarterback step into space, if they will cut him at some certain points, if they will just double him all the time. You know, I, I just wonder if he changes protection calls yeah. and then if the Bucks start to adjust off of that. Because one on one, I mean, there are good players 
on the Packers interior offensive line, and they could not hold him one on one. I mean, he was he's just that much of a monster physically. Like he is a rare, rare player physically um, with that kind of power in a, in a league where everybody is stout and powerful. You know, he's he resets that bar. Um, so and now he's facing an interior offensive line that's good, but it's not as good as what the Packers rolled out yesterday. It's not right, as good, right. and it's not to say that Rodgers no. isn't a guy who can escape the pocket and make plays out of it. He's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Russell Wilson, but he's a mobile guy. He's an athletic guy. We've seen that for 15 years from him, and the Bucs were able to really attack him, let alone two yeah. missing tackles for the Chiefs. I would go so far as to say that I don't know I could honestly in good conscience pick the Bucs to win. I'm not saying who I'm going to pick yet, but okay. I don't know that I could pick the Bucs to win if Vea wasn't playing, that's how much. If the Bucks defensive line doesn't dominate that game, Taylor, they will lose the game. Like, yeah, they just that's where they have to do. And even if they dominate, they could very well. I mean, that's how good Mahomes is. He hasn't needed an offensive line all year. I mean, is a ton of time. Schwartz has missed the whole season. They've lost guy. I mean, Lauren Duvernay Tardif has not played the entire season. I mean, they lost Assembly like week two. Their other guard. I mean, they've they've literally got one starter from their regular offensive line. They've got one starter that'll play in the Super Bowl. That's their second. Who's that, John? Who is it? I don't even know. Austin Ryder. Where do you go to school? Is it Ryder? Is he a USF? USF. Yes, he is. Wow. wow. Yeah, I got it. Hope, hope he gets absolutely dunked on by Vea. I, I do too. <laughs> but <laughs> I, do, I do too. <laughs> but no, that he, is either way, USF. So it's okay. He can he's, get dunked on by Vea if the Bucks win. Go ahead. He's carved out a nice little career for himself. Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, Nick Wright on Fox Sports said the Chiefs will win against the Bucs. I mean, that's this game is going to be like a seven point line when by the time it's done. With that, what yeah. we said this morning, I forget who said it, but uh, yeah, I think it was probably going to be yeah, the Chiefs will be favored by seven, I would guess, when it's done. I mean, it's going to be odds are going to be stacked against the Bucs, so it's going to be about making the magic happen, man. You got to, and that's what I mean. Defensive line has to wreck, they have to wreck in this game. Um, has John's camera always been good? Uh, it is pretty good, but it's better when we broadcast at night and I use this light right in front of me only. It darkens the background, gives me more of a majestic look. Thank oh, you. You got, little, you got the little ring light? It's not a ring light yet, but oh. I am going to get one of those. But yeah, but it's it functions similarly. Yeah, so it makes the camera look better. It's all about overexposure with the camera. Anyway, was Vita Vea's impact underrated by most media since so many things happened to overshadow it? Yes, because they box score scout and he did what well, in the box score he didn't light it up, but in terms of impact on the game, you know, he was clearly uh, instrumental in that way. So, yeah, as long as it's not in the box score, or most media will probably go to other things. And honestly, as long as quarterbacks exist, most media will talk about other yeah. things. You have to have 200 yards as a receiver or something like that. To, I mean, Valdez Scantling had like 118 yards after the game and. They literally the next day the columns were all about the Packers needed more weapons. I'm like, how could yeah. that have been your takeaway? He had a 50 yard touchdown. He had, yeah, the dude went off. Devontae even Mercedes Lewis was getting in on the pass. He yeah. had like two huge like first down catches, and he's a guy that I just I was just like, I mean, I do agree with them. The Packers need more weapons, but how could that be the takeaway after this game? There's like a million other things to talk about. Well, anyway, do you think that the Packers are glad that, I mean, they may not be going to a Super Bowl, but at least they have Jordan Love. That's so, true. Like, at and, least they have Jordan Love. They have the third and, string running back in AJ Dillon. Yeah, AJ Dillon. There we go. And what more do you need? They have that fullback that they took in the third round. There you go. Didn't get any of the good receivers in this historically great wide receiver class, though. Hmm. No. Yeah, they might regret that. Do I think Vita will make a difference against the Chiefs? Lots of Vita questions. Wow. Um, yeah. Do I think he'll make a difference against the Chiefs? Yes, extremely much so. Like we said, the Chiefs O-line is not uh, the best, and it's not the healthiest. I mean, I'm not sure if it matters against Mahomes or not. He is – I hope Bucks fans at least can be like, okay, like Mahomes is another – like as yeah. good as Aaron Rodgers is. is. Holmes is another animal, dude. The, the stuff he does is just ridiculous. It's how much even, do you think his turf toe is going to impact him in two weeks? None. None. <laughs> I mean, we saw him last night. I mean, he was moving around, but it he was his. He I don't think his normal stuff. He, he is unbelievable. He's 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 Patrick Holmes. He made, whole other animal. Throws in the grasp of defenders that were. That is true. That one was unbelievable. He's he's a superhero. Yeah, I I've never seen anything like him. Uh, no. And, and the consistency with which he does it is the 
most amazing part in my yeah. my opinion. Now SMB will have to cover Tyreek with safety help. Man, how to defend Tyreek? This is a good topic. Um, Bruce Arians said today that will probably help a little bit more. Again, he's speaking very ambiguously, but I'm reading between the lines. Probably help a little bit more this time is what he said. I think he's talking about their DBs, and I think he's talking about Tyreek Hill. Since in the second half, the Bucs decided to double him. And on certain downs, I will tweet out plays later this week. The Bucs actually doubled Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I yeah. can't remember many times where I've seen two different guys get doubled on a certain play. It was pretty Atlanta wild. Falcons second half down 17-0. And that's because they were running like 12 personnel all day. That was just really was just like, oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. Julio wasn't playing that game. But, uh, yeah, so I – I don't know. I mean, it's uh, to me. I would. I don't think the Carlton matchup matters in this. So actually, that gives you some freedom. Like, who is covering Tyreek is less important than how many are covering Tyreek. That's the important thing. So yes, I would double Tyreek almost every snap. I would double him as often as possible. That obviously makes you weaker in other areas. But I mean, that's all what you have to do. Like, you really have to do that. Now the Chiefs are still going to counter. They're going to counter with motion before the snap. They're going to counter with getting Tyree quick hitters and tunnel screens and hoping the guys have aligned off of him and are out of position if they move Tyreek into space. And they are going to do lots of different things. Um, that's what makes them so difficult is not only is Tyreek arguably the best receiver in the NFL and Kelsey arguably the best tight end of Mahomes, the best quarterback in the NFL, but they also have the best play caller and play designer in the yeah. league in Andy Reid. So it just becomes – Totally unfair, and um, it's very, very difficult to stop. So the Bucs have their work cut out for them. If Todd Bowles balls out, the Bucs could win this game. And if that happens, Todd Bowles, my word, man, like he goes into defensive yeah. coordinator lore. And what is going on with Todd Bowles? We need to like a whole podcast for this, Taylor. Like, How this long dude, did we beg for this? What is – like this dude literally played zone defense against everybody and gave up everything in the passing game. All season long. I mean, we're not the second imagining. matchup against the Saints. I mean, it was so egregious. What in the like, world? Like the Rams, like everyone and their Bears, mother, Giants. Like, I mean, it was every week. It was just like, yeah. what? and now we have a situation. He's playing press man across the board all game. You know, I mean, I mean, obviously there's reps his own. Like we always yeah. said, that there should be, but it is is predominantly press man. And they all of a sudden in the second half they start pulling out two man. They haven't done two man all season. How many times have I yelled for two man, like for yeah. cover, for man coverage and two deep and taking away big plays and lead, letting the run defense do their thing? Like if if they, you gash they gash you with the run, they gash you the run, whatever. But you have to construct yourself to be effective against the pass. All of a sudden, he is pulling out all the stuff, and he and he was unbelievable against Green Bay's mesh concepts the other day. The fact that he was cutting the crosser with a safety, often from the opposite side of the field. Buck safeties did such a great job of executing. It was a masterful game plan for the second straight week against yep. an offensive mind that is really, really difficult to solve. I can't say enough good things about Todd Bulls right now. And I was very harsh critic of him. And I think it was warranted that the time. I absolutely agree. This is why it's so important that you got to keep keep an open mind and not set yourself up against anybody. Like, because like we said with Sean Murphy bunting and with and with Leonard Fournette, like you get, leave the door open for guys to get better, for people to change, to grow. And, you know, Todd Bowles, it really didn't look like it was going to happen this season. I thought the ev evidence was overwhelming uh, against what this defense was doing. But at the last second, this man has changed the game. I don't know why it took that long. Yeah. I think it's fair to be critical of the fact that it took this long. But it's obviously worked out for them uh, to pull it out when it did because they got to the big dance and then uh, made adjustments from there. And it has surprised people. I mean, not only the cover one – not only just so much man coverage, but also going going cover two man late in that game was clearly unexpected. Uh, he had pressures I hadn't seen for before, I hadn't seen in weeks in that game against Aaron Rodgers. Masterful game plan. Best you, anybody played him all season, I would say. You Another hear it a lot, especially in college football, where you kind of have, have a lot of teams have scheduled, and then you got the rivalry week, you know, like around Black Friday, November. And I think it's always ridiculous. I don't think this ever carries any credence, but you hear the, well, maybe they're saving the, the, the real playbook for, for this game. You know, maybe they're saving this playbook for this game. And I don't think it ever has any credence. I don't think it's ever a legitimate argument. But if there was ever a time where you were going to convince me that a coach was saving a playbook 
I mean, there were times where his blitzes were predictable. Like you could see where the pressure was coming from. He was running zone for weeks at a time. And then all of a sudden, like a light switch went off and he was, and I don't know whether that has the confidence and what the way the secondary is playing. If he didn't feel confident at times that players could do what he wanted them to do in that fashion, in that role. I don't know if that plays a part. I mean, they were far from perfect when he did do press. I I will say that. They were better, clearly. Carlton was especially better, and I know he yeah. didn't have the best game yesterday. Uh, he he was okay. I mean, he made some plays, but he also struggled at times. But he was a far better player in press man all season long. Chalmers yeah. Bunton struggled no matter what. Jamel Dean, we already saw in press all year. Really, we haven't seen much of him press at all. Um, so there there were it wasn't like everybody was perfect in press, but but there was no way that it wasn't. I mean, it was clearly the right call all along. I, yeah. You know, like I said. I talked to when it when it was clear that things weren't changing despite ample evidence in the regular season that, that they should change. I went and talked to people who'd covered him for years and they were like, dude, welcome to the party. Get in line. Like we literally said this for years about top, like that he would just would not change what he was doing. I was like, all right, so this is a problem, problem. So this is the and way it's boom, Yeah. And then boom, and on this stage, he's done it and he's done an unbelievable job. Um, it is it is an admirable performance for sure. Uh, to say the least, the way this defense has turned it around. Um, so, really, really good stuff. Um, uh, Terrence asked us, and this is the this is the question of the pod right here, right? I mean, how concerned are you about the Bucks' offensive approach? Don't think they realistically could have played a whole lot better in, in the last couple games defensively. I mean, they, they are not like this elite all pros yeah. everywhere defense. They are growing. They are young. They were missing two safeties. Um, you know, you'd like not to give up the 50 yarder and some other things, maybe. And going back to the Saints game, you you obviously don't want to give up that trick play, but you get got sometimes. The NFL, it's hard to play defense, but offensively, there's a, I mean, they're leaving a lot of meat on the bone. <laughs> you know, they yeah. really are. Like drops have been a killer in the playoffs. I mean, and that can happen. Killer. Like they have dropped so many passes. They've left yards on the field. They've dropped touchdowns in multiple games. Um, you know, Chris Godwin dropped one against Washington. He dropped one against the the Saints uh, last week before the half. He played better. He had a drop, but he played better in this one. Mike Godwin or um, Mike Godwin, Mike Evans drops the long ball down the sideline in the second half um, that that should have been caught. They end up with an interception on that drive, I believe, later. But that's that's one that sets you up, I think, around the twenty yard line. Um, if he catches that inside the 20, maybe even with him falling forward there, I was looking at today. So, I mean, those are plays. I mean, Brady has is, I think on, in this postseason he is eight of 24 on passes of 20 yards or more four incompletions have been dropped. So he is throwing the deep ball right now. And they're, they're not counting either of the ground off the fingertip. They're not counting Chris Godwin's back shoulder throw last week against the saints before he dropped the one in the end zone those are all passes that could be caught and weren't and they are so those are so with excluding those he's still hitting 50 percent of his 20 plus yard throws or more down the field 20 plus yard yards or more down the through field in the playoffs which is a great rate if you're in 50 percent of those things that's one of the top rates in the nfl if you extrapolate yeah. that over a season that percentage and that's not even counting some of these other catches that were were tough catches but that's when you're balling, when you're hitting on all cylinders, mm-hmm. when your elite players are playing elite ball, those are catches that are made. Bucks haven't made those in this playoffs. I actually think it's been – I know Godwin made the great catch, the 52-yarder, and I give him tons of credit for that. I, mean, I, think, that it's been, I think it's been more underwhelming for their top skill guys than it has been great. And then in the second half, Brady also struggled. You know, He shouldn't have thrown the first interception. The second interception was catchable, but again yeah. – he. It's high. It's a tougher catch than it needs to be. Evans is open on that play. Um, and, and I know there's some underneath coverage he's trying to throw over that fans don't necessarily see when they see it from the top. But, you know, I still – that's got to be a better ball. And so that was the first time we saw Brady start to slip a little bit with it. And so it's got to be great against the Chiefs. I mean, there's no yeah. question. Like, I know we said this last week going into the – so maybe it's not true. You know, maybe the defense plays unbelievable. Maybe they, yeah, maybe they go nuts. But I don't know if you saw this stat today. Um, I had to look it up. Patrick Mahomes has had 63 full non-kneel-down drives in his postseason career. The Chiefs have averaged 3.75 points per drive on those possessions. Like the if Bucks you do not drop balls, game with that knowledge, Taylor, you're not going to get it offensively. Like you're not. The 
Eagles didn't get it. They're kicking field goals. If you kick a field goal, you are immediately. If you are kicking a field goal, you are behind the eight ball. If you are punting, you are way behind the eight ball. This is not a team. You this is literally not a team that you can. I mean, granted, you can't score a touchdown every possession. It's unrealistic to believe. But this is not a team that you can that you can give away drives. And we said that about the Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, and they still almost blew it. They built yeah. a twenty-eight to ten lead and almost blew it right. because of punting and getting and wasting opportunities. But like we said, I know Aaron Rodgers is great. He's going to be the MVP this year. Patrick Mahomes is a different animal. Right. If you go into this game and you wind up accepting three points because of a drop. Three points because of a missed opportunity, a punt because of a drop or missed opportunity, you will lose. Right. It's it, it, just that simple. I know Bucks fans are not going to want to hear this, but I'm going to say it over and over and over and over again until the Super Bowl. The Bucks are the underdog for a reason. If they play a hundred times, yeah. the Bucks aren't going to win the majority of those games, not even close. But they can win this one. You just have to come out with a different mindset. You have to come out and understand the percentages are not in your favor. That if you are not a little bit more desperate and a little bit more aggressive, or maybe a yep. lot more aggressive, you aren't going to win the game. And it's the Super Bowl. There's no chance of holding anything back. That's what people don't get when they play the Chiefs. They think, oh, we'll just we'll kick this fit, we'll keep it close. No, it's not a normal team. They're going to score you more can't than 30. Keep points. it close because Even it will all play. of a sudden not be close. Right. They can score in five seconds. They can take 10 minutes to score. They can score a million different ways. They are going to score points. You have to score more points. It's not about, oh, let's run the ball and let's keep the ball away from the Chiefs. doesn't matter. It doesn't work. It's not. That's not how it works, man. Like you got to outscore them if you want to do it at the end of the day. It's going to be in the 30s, and you've got to have more points than them. That's just the way it is. If you don't accept that, that's hard for t- teams and coaches to accept, I think. They want to say, if we do our thing, you know, if we do this or this defensively. our game and – you it's not going to happen look at the one game they lost this season the Raiders had like 40 points and even that was like the Chiefs blew like 15 coverages I've never yeah. seen Spags defense blow that many coverages in that game um I'm so I'm telling you you have to change your approach offensively you have to change your approach to first down that's almost been laughable the last couple of weeks like I mean literally in the fourth quarter I'm laughing like that they're running yeah. out of ball still I'm just like it clearly it's not like this is ridiculous and Brady overcame it all first half I give him I mean if he doesn't overcome horrendous first down play calling and execution I mean they're they're not even close in that game probably he I literally it. thought the Bucks were going to lose because of how many third downs they were in I mean in the first crazy. in the first four drives they were in I mean the first drive he had to overcome three third downs every single series yeah was a third down. They refused to pick up first downs on first or second. They weren't third short either, a lot of them. No, because I I even tweeted, I said, at some point, when do you just accept that second and eight and second or ten and ten are not that different? Right. Are are essentially the same down. And one thing that I really liked from Bruce Arians, because we've talked about his no-risk-it, no-biscuit philosophy, that's not really his philosophy as far as game management. That's his philosophy for play calling. That's his philosophy as an impatient coach. He's Good not point. a coach that Good wants point. to accept 12 play drives, 14 point drive, regardless of, of whether they score. He wants mm-hmm. to move that ball down in chunks because eventually, and this is something that Tom Brady's great at being patient. And I think that's why he works so well in tandem with Bruce Arians is mm-hmm. Bruce does not want to wait to move the ball down the field. He doesn't want to take a long drive. But one thing he said yesterday was when he sent out the punt team, he looked down, the clock was stopped. He said, we got a couple plays that we really like here. And he said, we did not get to this point to not go out there and call plays to win the game. And we've criticized his philosophy because, like I said, from a game management standpoint, it doesn't always seem no risk and no biscuit. Mm-hmm. I loved that. That was, that. Right. that was my, that was my favorite quote from the postgame presser. We did not get to this point to not call plays to win the game. And that's what you have to do. Every single series, every single play. And that takes on a different meaning against Kansas City than it does against any other team in the league. It just does. They've done it for several years now. You have to accept that, and you have to know those numbers, and you have to be okay with that and go into the game knowing that your chance is being a little more desperate, a little more crazy than they are, and you you got to do it. That's how you got to execute on those types of plays and situations. So uh, what's the Chiefs' weakness, their secondary or their front, Raymond P. wants to know? I mean, their weakness is definitely their – I mean, they they could definitely be run on. They don't have amazing talent, really. They have Chris Jones, they have Tyron Matthew, and they have good players that execute their scheme outside of that. I mean, that's really what they are. They have good, good players who execute their scheme. 
for specific games, Steve Spagnuolo is one of the best. Somebody tweeted this out on Twitter. I don't even remember who it was, but it was a great point. And I, you know, I thought this for a long time about Spags, but for specific games, he just can put together unbelievable game plans. With two weeks to go over the Super Bowl, he had a great game plan for the Bucs last time. And the Bucs almost overcame it late in the game. They adjusted some things. The Bucs are, if the Bucs are not ready for pressure in this game, they will lose because you have to be able to protect Brady or have Hots to get the ball out. The Chiefs are going to, they split Chiefs blitz 50% of the time last time that they met. And when they weren't blitzing, they were showing blitz and dropping out. You have to work on those things all week if you're the Bucs. You, you're, you're just going to have to have answers for yeah. all the different pressure situations you could be in. And your answers can't be four verts throwing the deep ball up to Mike Evans because it's your only option. It's that or get blasted for a sack and get One yourself out of two. football range. Like it, I mean, you people have to understand the situation quarterbacks are in. They look and they see an interception in the box score. Tell me what was the better play in those situations. And that's where it gets frustrating in this offense sometimes is that it's just so vertical. And um, it can be really frustrating sometimes when the execution isn't there because if you miss a protection, there's just no bailout for quarterbacks like there are in others. I mean, you could see Rodgers and how many throws were easy yesterday. Tons of them. And he can make tough throws, but there's just a lot of easy throws in that offense. A lot of scheme open players. The best offense in the championship round was the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And the average depth of target for Patrick Mahomes' throws was like six yards. Mm-hmm. It that just shows it you don't yeah. have to be. Yeah. I mean, Tom yeah. Brady's, I think, was over double. I think Mahomes yeah. was like 5.8 and Brady was like 12.3. And guess I know that was on Tyreek, but guess how many, Taylor, in two playoff games, guess how many 20 plus air yard completions oh. Patrick Mahomes has. I think I, I think PFF said it's something ridiculous, like one or three, it's, like something zero. ridiculous. Zero. zero. Zero in two games. Tyreek Hill dropped one the other day. He's only attempted two. Yeah, that's what they're living in short to intermediate. They're living there because they they can can do everybody. They can scheme everything open that they want because it's that kind of a system and that kind of an offense. The Bucks not that way. (laughs) There's a lot on the quarterback, you know, and obviously Mahomes because of the pressure issues has to make a lot of things happen outside of structure in that offense this season. And so you know he deserves credit for that, but schematically. What's in place for Kansas City is just very, very effective. Um, there's no if the Bucs had that offensive line, they would be dead <laughs> because Brady doesn't move like Bubs. Like, and this offense is a lot of vertical passing. And so you need things to hold up, but the Chiefs have just schemed around those things unbelievably well that their offense can do what they do and not really throw the ball down the field that much. Even this season, it hasn't been a big thing for them, which people don't get that with Mahomes, but that's you know, that's the way that it's been. So um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty crazy. Uh, Tyler Johnson comes up big every game. Wow, Godwin 2.0. Yeah, he had the back shoulder drop. That yeah, long, that was rough. But... Points off the board drop. I mean, that was that was going to be down there in field goal range for a guy who hasn't missed much this season to ride and suck up. And so that was a big one. Um, I was regretting my AB's not, you know, the absence of AB is not going to be the reason you lose this game uh, tweet when that when yeah. that drop happened. But, you know, he came back up. It made a great catch later in the game, and then it honestly ran a pretty good route to get open late. I think he would have been open pretty easily if he wasn't grabbed for several yards on that last play of the game, and so uh, the last meaningful play of the game, uh, the pass interference. So yeah, he, I do, I like Tyler Johnson a lot. Um, he obviously his back shoulder catch against uh, New Orleans was arguably the play of the game. Um, will Sean McCoy retire if the Bucks win the Super Bowl? <laughs> you probably I don't, retire. I don't know. I guess. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, he's he can't get active on you know teams the last couple of years, but he's gonna won a couple Super Bowls if they if the Bucs win this one, obviously. Yeah. So, um, uh, let's see. I'm sorting back through here. We we're going through pretty slowly there, so I'm trying to get back through some of the questions before I get to the next questions. Though I'm not telling you I'm picking the Chiefs yet. Buck nine seven five five. Chill, chill. Not saying that. That'll be Wednesday show. Actually, that'll be next Wednesday show. So I have a long time. Yeah, we have a long time to keep it under wraps. Right. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but it's been quite a year for the insurance world with a record number of named storms at more than 30 storms flooding in addition to wildfires and not to mention the pandemic. With the commercial property and homeowners rate increase across the industry due to these catastrophes, Briar Greaves Agency has numerous carriers and options to help new and existing clients affected by these increases. Although these catastrophes have caused billions in losses, water damage from pipes breaking, washing machines and ice maker hoses leaking, 
water heaters bursting are still one of the number one claims for homeowners. Briar Greaves will examine existing policies to make sure you have the correct coverages and not just the best pricing. Personal and commercial audio, auto insurance is another line of business that Briar Greaves Insurance can help with shopping through carriers such as Progressive, MetLife, Safeco, and Allstate, to name a few. Life insurance is being purchased at a record-breaking amount due to individuals thinking about the future of their families more and more because of the pandemic. If in good health, medical exams can usually be waived as a requirement and accelerate the life insurance purchase to protect families. The folks at Briar Greaves Insurance are big fans of the Buccaneers and proud sponsors of the Pewter Report podcast on pewterreport.com. Do what Scott did, what Mark did. Go to briargreaves.com, briargreavesinsurance.com, or call 813-876-4166. That's 813-876-4166 today. Get yourself switched over to Briar Greaves Insurance. They do terrific work, and they're terrific people, and they're Bucks fans. So you'll talk a little bit of Tampa Bay Bucks, a little bit of Super Bowl talk with Briar and Sam as well. So uh, make sure you check that out, briargreavesinsurance.com. Yeah, um, how could you not pick the Chiefs? Terrence Davis says, I said, I'm not going to decide that yet, but I'm just going to let everybody in the chat see that so they can address that if they need to. This Bucks team's got some magic going on, man, and I think there's something to that in sports. So, um, uh, you know, like I said, I've already said, I think the Chiefs win if they play 100 times, but they're only playing once and upsets happen. And so that's, uh, that, that, that's something that's important. Why did Fournette go to the left on that pressure? Uh, man, I wish I had the play cut. I don't have the play cut yet. But, uh, okay, so the, the third Brady pick, Fournette, you'll go to the left on that pressure. He's got to see that pre- and post-snap. He's got to be aware of that potential blitzer, and he's got to be able to pick that up with his eyes and get over there. And, and even if it means bailing out of the, the, the fake. Out of the play action, yeah. Exactly, out of that. Like, that's, that's fine. That's his responsibility. You can't let your quarterback get hurt. Um, so, yeah, he, uh, he messed it up, and that's all there is to it. He's <laughs> not much you can do yeah. once happens when you've got three verticals out there you had seven man protection you know brady's never expecting that to that get blown just, immediately you know what i mean like it, it should never happen so and, and bruce said that today that they they blew that protection and so um yeah tough spot to be in especially there because you don't want to take a sack there because you're you know kind yeah. of right outside field goal range if you can get a pass interference or you know jump ball but then the ball never was able to get there because you got hit um do I think the Bucs, Dara wants to know, do we think the Bucs will need 40-plus to beat the Chiefs? What advantages do we have over the Chiefs? Man, Scott wrote about this today in the two-point conversion. This column, this post-game column, just dropped. Make sure you go over and check it out on pewterreport.com. Scott's two-point conversion. You're going to want to read this one, folks. It's the one yeah. uh, coming out of uh, NFC Championship game victory and going back to the Super Bowl. So he had good, good stuff to say, as he always does in that post-game two-point conversion column. He says he thinks the Bucs need 30 points. 30 is the magic number. He's sticking with it even against the Chiefs. I think my man is crazy. I think the Bucs yeah. need more than 30. If the Bucs score 30, that's great. But I would Chiefs like the Bucs to score 40. I think they have a better chance if they score 40. I think they may need 40. I don't think the Chiefs putting up 38 points is like out of the realm of possibility by any stretch of the imagination. I don't know if they'll need 40. Because I'm starting to have a little faith in Todd Bowles. <laughs> they might get one or two stops. It's, I don't know if they'll need 40, but I think they'll need 35. Maybe. Yeah. Well, wait, we have time to we have time to think about this one. We have time to. Um, Rojo better wake up or leave him on the bench. Um, this is an interesting one. You know, as much as we praise Leonard, he had the 20 yard run. It was a great run. Outside but, of that, though. Yeah, like this guy still dropped two passes. This guy blew a protection in a key moment of the game. He's been terrible in pass protection most of the season. Like he's he gets in the way. That's about it. You know what I mean? Like when he when he does see it, he gets in the way. But it's not really been a strength. It wasn't a strength in Jacksonville. You know, he got thrown a lot of balls in Jacksonville, but he also had a lot of drops. And I mean, he's been okay. He's been the best option in the passing game. He's not been great still in the passing game. He almost dropped that wide open touchdown. In fact, they were looking at the reviews. I don't think there was a good replay, but he might have dropped that touchdown against the Saints yeah. on the angle route. I mean, it it's really tough to say. what they have, right, Taylor? Like, yeah, it's, it's really tough to say like Rojo's got to wake up or leave him on the bench because it's not like the Bucks have a bunch of really good options. Right. I mean, I think Rojo is probably their best option on a play to play basis, and even then, but Rojo, dropped- I, I don't think is a great back. 
I think Rojo is a good back. I think fans really like him. I think if he wasn't missing two games, he would have hit 1,000 yards. 97 of that comes on one play against the Panthers, 98 of it. But he's not a great back. The, the Bucs don't have any great backs. He's They're literally, like you said, Fournette, in my opinion. Yes, I he's do agree with that. Pass catcher and protector. And Fournette's not really good at that either, but he's better than Rojo. So I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> if you could put them two together, they'd probably make a pretty good, like a pretty good back. Like a guy who can kind of catch the ball and run the ball pretty well. Still make me want to find a running back this offseason, though. Absolutely. I mean, it's going to be a position of priority, right? I mean, like we have the Fournette's probably not going to be back, and you know, uh, LaShawn McCoy's not going to be back, and so you have Keshawn Vaughn. Maybe he can you know, hopefully he's ready to contribute next year. You know, as the as the third back, Ronald Jones will still be able to to be an effective back for you, but he's not going to resign, obviously, and this will be his last year of his deal that he's going into, and so now you're at a point where okay, it's like uh, you know, who's going to be your pass catching guy and. You could go and find James White in free agency. Maybe that's good enough. I don't know. I mean, he hasn't done much for yeah. a couple of years now. And so I think it might be the draft. I mean, it might be the first round of the draft. You know, we got um, – But at the same time, that's what we said last year. I mean, going into draft weekend, I think it was like, okay – They had more holes at an important yeah. position. They didn't have a right tackle last year. Going into, I mean, yeah. And that was – granted, that was dependent on the right tackles being gone. Because mm-hmm. that was definitely a possibility. The big right. four right tackles or offensive tackles being gone by the time the Bucks picked it 14. So then that was when the Clyde Edwards Hilaire, you know, trade back, get Jonathan Taylor, get Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And then you end up getting Tristan Warfs. You end up getting Antoine Winfield in the second, which way better than having Jonathan. No, no offense, Jonathan Taylor and Clyde Edwards Hilaire. They've both been very good this season, but I will take both of those players over them. But then, I mean, then you're kind of handcuffed into taking Keyshawn Vaughn probably earlier than you. I mean, maybe they, I mean, I guess they liked him more than we did, but yeah. I mean, not optimal. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, there's a lot of, it's got to be a position of priority in the offseason. I'm not a big running back or or super valuable guy, but this group has made me rethink some things. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) All of a sudden, Pam. All of a sudden, let's take them in the first round. But no, I mean, I think it's going to be they don't have they're not going to have going to an offseason with many needs if they resign who we think they're going to resign. And so then it becomes okay, like let's find a better player to help us out in these situations. We need one. Um, and you know, you hope you don't have to spend a first round pick to do that, but you're going to be picking at the end of the first round. And so you know, you'll see who's there and who's available. By the way, if you're interested in the draft, do you remember that, Bucks fans? Do you remember the thing you've usually been focused on for about two and a half months by now? Yeah. Well, that thing's still that happening. Conversation. <laughs> the NFL draft is still happening, and we are going to have it covered for you at pewterreport.com in amazing fashion. Uh, we are super excited about the draft. Scott and I have been texting about the draft and, and I mean, watching a few players, and even yesterday – all my nervous energy before the game, I was watching Patrick Jones from Pitt and Joe Tyron from Washington, who Daniel Jeremiah mocked in the first round uh, to to the Bucs, both edge rushers, and watching these guys and getting ready and trying to figure out who's the, who the good players. So we're going to have Senior Bowl content coming out this week. The practices start tomorrow. Uh, I know that's crazy that normally we've been talking about the Senior Bowl for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Now here it is, and the Bucs still have another at game. So, yeah, it's awesome. But we're going to have Senior Bowl content this week because we've got a while till the Super Bowl. So – you know, like I said, my column will be out. We'll be breaking down still things from the game against the Packers, and we'll be previewing the Chiefs. But at the same time, we're going to get you some senior bowl content. We're going to let you know players, especially at interior defensive line, edge rusher, maybe even offensive line. The Bucks, you know, Ryan Jensen, Donovan Smith, they could get out of their contracts if they needed to without cap. They don't need to if they if they felt like that money could be better spent elsewhere. I don't think those things are going to happen. I'm just saying, just we've got to be prepared for all scenarios. So we'll have our eyes on the trenches and we'll have our eyes on the running back position. Obviously, I believe Najee Harris is still planning to participate. I know those things, decisions kind of go down to the wire for a lot of these players, but um, you know, he could very well be a target in the first round, especially if your runs like four, six high four fives, like people yeah. think that he might, he might be there for the bucks and he might be a, a, a great option. So we'll talk about all those guys. We're actually going to talk about them this week on the show uh, because we'll, we won't have a game to preview until next week. And so we'll get into a lot of the, preview stuff next week well we will talk about the chiefs every day when we're going to talk about the super bowl every day but we're also going to talk some senior bowl practices stuff on on wednesday or thursday on the podcast as well once those get underway definitely thursday after the practices uh, are wrapped up so if you're still thinking about the draft at all and you're like okay how can this team get better um because you know they've got a chance to be back in this situation next year they really do and so um we're going to have that that angle covered for you 
as well. So uh, it's going to be a fun draft in that way because it's kind of like looking to fill some some critical holes and some last final pieces at other positions. So looking forward to the offseason in that regard. Um, Brady as a GM or head coach. I think we get asked this like every show, but I don't believe Brady has any interest in coaching. I think he's been asked that before. I don't either. Responded to it. So somebody um, asked me that. It's like, why would he? He just doesn't seem like the kind of guy. Maybe if that, if he just finally gets to the point where he can't play anymore and that competitive drive just overtakes him. But Brady just seems to me like a guy who's going to go live his life. He's going to do his media company. He's going to go with his wife and they're going to be at every Met Gala and every event. I just think he's a guy that really is going to look forward to life after football when he eventually gets there. I don't mm-hmm. think he thinks about that for a second. I don't think Brady has ever in his life thought about a second for life after football. Realistically, yeah. he lets his money guys take care of that. Right, <laughs> you know, he sure, talks, yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll start a media company. Yeah, yeah, invest in that. Make sure my, you know, my estate is okay. TV like, twelve. I mean, he's thought. Yeah, he's yeah. thought about. Man. He's thought about life, you know, continuing, but right. Uh, good question from Robert Farmer here. And appreciate the $5 super chat. We should use New England scheme for Kansas City. Kansas City averages under 27 points versus New England in the last three meetings. Thoughts? Thoughts are that those meetings, I don't remember. Did they meet this year? I can't remember. But in those meetings, um, I don't know that uh, – the, well, the Patriots had the best – and not this season, but the last two seasons, probably the best man coverage corner in the league and Stephon Gilmore – that helps a lot. Um, you have a guy that can match up like that. They've also had other good corners. They've had uh, really good proven corners. Again, the Bucks corners are playing better right now, so it gives you some hope. I mean, that that group can play better with a little bit of safety help, you know. Um, so I think that helps some. Um, I still think the Chiefs, you know, have opportunities to score in all their games. And so I don't – I'd have to look at the particular situations against New England to get a good feel for it. They've always been physical with Travis Kelsey off the line of scrimmage. The Chiefs have answers for that, though. Um, so it's not like it's a cure-all. Kelsey's unbelievable. And so, um, you know, they they will flex him out. They'll isolate him three by one. They'll put him on the single receiver side, isolate him against the corner, and he can win. Um, you know, he is – he's a rare one. I mean, he really is. I mean, look at his routes. Uh, there's, I think he's maybe the best route running tight end ever. Um, and so that's yeah. that can be a difficult guy matchup-wise. Uh, then they're going to move them all around. If you start chipping them off the line of scrimmage, well, you know, with an end, well, they're just not going to put them out there. They're going to put them in the slaughter, something like that. Yeah. So there's so much they do with them. It becomes really, really hard. He's like harder to fit. You can say, okay, we're going to double Tyree kill. Okay. Double them. You know what I mean? They might get in the ball in the backfield or some, you know, hit them with a screen or something, you know, but you, you know, how you're going to cover them with Travis Kelsey. It's like, what are we going to, we're going to put a corner on them all game. I mean, the Steelers would do that some games and they didn't really have a a guy that could match up with them at that time. They weren't really, you know, good enough to do that. They did. I'm sorry. They did that with Gronk in some games. They didn't really have a guy that matched up that well with them ever. But I mean, that that's an option. But then you put a same corner on every play. You're gonna follow him with a corner. You know what happens when he comes in line? You know, he's yeah. Um, you're gonna have the linebacker kicking outside on receiver, or or safety if you play three safety. So it's harder with the tight end. Uh, it's just harder to find answers. And whatever you do, Andy's gonna make you wrong. And so your other guys in a bad position are gonna have to step up and make a play. And so it becomes it becomes uh, pretty tricky. One Any of the game plan you have for right. Hill and and Kelsey are, are going to have to constantly evolve, right? Because and Andy's playbook is going to constantly right. evolve all game. And I think it gets interesting, Taylor, because what about man coverage on Kelsey with Antoine Winfield, or what about playing three safeties in this game? Bucks have not really done it much yeah. of the season. Obviously, I've clamored for it. Again, you won't beat Kansas City if you just do what you've always done. They'll figure you out if you throw something wild at him. Maybe you make a play. Maybe, Maybe figure it out. Maybe you get a turnover. That changes the game. Exactly right. All and it takes so, is one right. good read, one right call, and the game's changed. Remember, if the, you wanted to talk about the Patriots and how they've had success, Deron Harmon at free safety, Devin McCourty at free safety, and those guys alternating deep, Mike Edwards, Antoine Winfield, or Mike Edwards, Jordan Whitehead, and then Patrick Chung on tight ends. And that's they've played a lot of three safeties. They've kept their linebackers off the field. Now, they have not had linebackers like the Bucks linebackers, and so – I get you're not going to want to take those guys off the field, but take off William Goldston or Dominican Sue and let Devin yeah. White rush. And so, you know, yeah, let him be an edge rusher. Let him be an edge rusher. Get creative. Run the bleach package. If you haven't looked at it, go search PeterReport.com yeah. and read about the bleach package featuring White and Whitehead. If Whitehead is capable of playing in this game, we'll see. Bruce Arian said today, too early to know for sure, but he knows Whitehead's one of the toughest dudes out there. So, what do you think um, the injury is? Because it wasn't broken collarbone. Could it have right. been a dislocation? 
could have been dislocation. Could be uh, could be like an MRI may have torn something, and then it might be a pain tolerance. You know, you could play with things torn in your shoulder. How much is the pain tolerance? Can you tackle it all? Um, that might be more what we're looking at if they didn't know. Now they may have known too, and the Arians is just lying. I mean, he's he knows he doesn't have to talk to the media for a while, so yeah. no reason to let the Chiefs know ahead of time who's hurt. I was super surprised that they gave him to us in post game. I mean, I was yeah, like, that was, I said in the group chat was I said if they're giving us right, you know, Jordan Whitehead to speak after the game, he's fine. That He'll was the fine. strongest indication to me that that he was fine. And so, then. But I don't know. Now we don't know. <laughs> yeah. And now all of a sudden it's question mark. It's like, right. when was the last time they give you an injured player after the game, directly after the game? You might get them later in the week or something, but. Right. Uh, so uh, Buck9755 says, how great is it to not be reading uh, mock drafts in January? We're actually going to have a mock draft for you this week. We're going to have a Buck 7 round mock draft uh, coming out this week. I think it's Wednesday, right? Scott, Scott's put it out. Um, so no, you'll get not it. your all night thing to read. That's right. Yeah, exactly. It's now it's additional content. Right. Uh, Long Lost Glazer says, I'm honestly going to miss the combine. Being a Bucks fan, why is you different? I mean, it's true. I miss it. Like, I love the draft. I mean, it's an opportunity to get better, like, no matter what, whether you're winning or not. So, you know, I grew I up don't a know Steelers who said fan. It. Well, go ahead. I was going to say, I just, I grew up a Steelers fan and still love the draft. And they were always picking in the, tw- in the 20s, basically. So, yeah. Looking forward uh, to it. Someone said in the comments, they said the, uh, the combine used to be our playoffs and the draft used to be our Super Bowl. That's right. So that's really what now, it is. Now the Super Bowl is your Super Bowl, Bucks fans. Welcome. <laughs> it. Welcome. Uh, man, this is a great point. We don't talk about this enough. Rich T. Mickens was key. and Somebody else, I guess, prompted this. But Mickens was key, in my opinion. This hidden yards. Mickens has been great. And he's been great all yes. season, especially kicker turner. Um, you know, I mean, I know that he went down early on that one. That was maddening. I'm not, But that might have been an instruction. I, we have to – hopefully we'll get some clarity on that. It might be – the time for that might be passed. But – yeah, he has been great this season. I mean, he's been such an improvement over Kenyon Barner, right? Like, great. I think he's been good. I think he's had. I think there have been times where I'm going just, just As leave a the ball in. Yeah, I mean, there have definitely been times where I'm just like, just don't take it out. And he's coming out to the 20. He's coming out to the 18. I think he's oh, been good. Yeah. I think he's been an upgrade. Maybe I'm forgetting. Maybe I thought that was Barner that was doing that stuff. I don't, I'm uh, looking. Mickens was early in the season, and then Barner came in, kind of in that midpoint yeah. after Mickens went down when he was on the COVID list. And then Barner came in, and then Mickens came back. Um, but special teams is very weird because Mickens has been good. Suckup's been – that was, the uh, I believe, the question that prompted this answer. Mm. Suckup's been phenomenal. I, I yes. feel like I can't even jinx him at this point because I've talked about how great he's done. And right. Mickens has been good, but the coverage has not been good on kickoffs or punt returns. <laughs> it has not been good on either side. Um, no, it is so it's kind good. of a, a give and take, a double-edged sword. You've got – Mickens has definitely been an improvement coming in. Suckup has been worlds different than what the Bucks have dealt with for the last seasons. But so then, Mickens has been really good the last few games. And yeah, he's pretty good most of the season. I mean, yeah. I mean, he hardly has any returns. I mean, 14 returns in the whole year. Like, true, yeah. But he had five for 121 yards against Green Bay. That was that's the most returns he got opportunities yeah. he got all season. Then he had four for 98 against the Rams. They were the only teams. And then he had three for 79 against the Giants, average 26 yards of return. I guess, yeah, maybe I was misremembering. So when they give him opportunities, I think he's been, yeah. pre- he's been pretty good. Um, yeah, so, I mean, but, yeah, again, I forget, you don't get many opportunities. Even part returns, he's barely had an actual return this year. He's fair caught almost every one. So, yeah. um, I don't know. Maybe they pull out AB in this game. Maybe, you know, again, it's like find, find those ways you can create a little uh, bit of no a shot. I feel like coming off the – especially coming off the knee injury – if you, I mean, I know you've got nothing left to lose. It's the last game. You got to give Maybe it all. Fully healthy though. I don't know. Yeah, but well, even I mean, if like, you, yeah, we got to remember the Chiefs have been down double digits or multiple scores in like four of the last, yeah, you know, four of the last six playoff games or something like that, and they won all of them. So, I think all of them by double digits. So, pretty. Wild. I think I saw another one. Mahomes has not lost a game by more than one possession. Since Iowa State 2016, like, is what? that not? Is that not? I don't I want to watch my language here, but is that not just crazy? <laughs> I, I don't believe he's not lost the game. By I'll have to go find the tweet, but he's not lost the game by more than one possession since Iowa State 2016. Oh my gosh, it's unbelievable, dude! It's truly a cheat code. It's incredible. 
Um, yeah, so Suckup has been great, and that could be in this game too. That's something to remember. And I think Butker has struggled a little bit recently. I'm not totally sure about that. Yeah, he had he did have some struggles, I know, early in the season. I haven't seen lately. But here, Emmanuel Acho tweeted, yeah, Patrick Mahomes will play in two Super Bowls before ever losing an NFL game by more than one possession. The last time Patrick Mahomes lost by more than one possession, November 19th, 2016 versus Iowa State, had to be Cliff Kingsbury. Oh, my gosh. I mean, this is a monumental task. It's what it is. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, for the Bucs, you've got to be – it's eye on the prize. For us, like, it's like, this is an awesome season. Like, yeah, the Chiefs phenomenal. are about to be a dynasty. Like, let's just be honest. The Chiefs are going to be yeah. a dynasty. Um, and so, yeah, it's about disrupting that process for them. Like, can you put it off a year? It's going to happen. But can you can you put it off a year? Can it not happen this year? Can that not – that next step for it not be taken this year? And – uh and so, yeah, I mean, they, the Bucks have an amazingly talented roster. You could argue their roster top to bottom is is more talented. As good or better, yeah. But the Chiefs are just incredibly well coached. I mean, Bruce Aaron said that today. On both sides of the ball, their ability to execute game plans and level of attention to detail is unbelievable to watch for sure. So defensive line's got to own it. And, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, okay. like Long Rock Glazer says, okay, we beat them by less than seven with that. There you go. That's all <laughs> you got to do. Beat them by one. That's all that matters. Exactly right. W is a W, baby. No, no if question. The Giants can walk in against an undefeated Patriots team and beat them. Mm-hmm. Why not? Well, hashtag why not us? Yeah. Uh, Buck nine seven five five says, "What a shame that Light didn't win Executive of the Year. Did, that doesn't yeah. get announced till May, right?" Um. Oh, I guess the uh, the Pro Football Writers of America. Oh, they had who there, did? but um, they picked Bean. Who did? They pick? Yeah, I think they did. Get out of here. I don't believe. It. I mean, there's the actual war doesn't get announced until until May, I believe. I think. I don't know why that works that way, but um, but yeah, I mean the any you you give it to anybody other than light, you're just making stuff. Yeah, up. Brandon Bean. Yeah, there's um, you just can't. Doesn't mean other GMs are bad, but there's just no question. Look at this whole team. If like, you sign Tom Brady, these are all like it's like <laughs> I mean, these are all light guys. He drafted, yeah. he signed them in free agency, he signed them in the third, you know, in day three of the draft, like undrafted free agent. You know, I mean, I just I have no clue what the process could be for giving the dude has had an offseason for the ages. But look at who's won this award in the past, and you can see that and uh, I don't get- hasn't belonged to many good GMs before. So <laughs> what's your argument for being realistically like you sign one ride receiver and Josh Allen plays? 10 completion percentage points better than he ever has. Isn't it just life. off the past year? Like it's not, it's gotta be, it's not just, so, it's yeah. not what you've done over the, your tenure. It's just this. The, yeah. This so it's literally just it. That's like, what I think. For, that's my understanding of the award anyway. I don't, yeah. It's just the last year. Exactly. I, the year. I mean, here's the best part about this for box fans. Like, and again, like go win the Super Bowl. Like, absolutely. It's a huge deal. I'm not acting like it. I'm not trying to act like it isn't. But this team is just in such good hands. I mean, even if even if Bruce Arians ends up retiring at some point in the near future, like, you know, the transition, it just – I mean, Jason Light is just the kind of GM that you want. It, there's not many teams that can say that, but he has proven it now for four straight years. He can build a roster. He can he can hire the right people. He can do it all. He's proven everything. Like, And I know people are like, oh, he hired Dirk Cutter. Honestly, like Dirk has good offense. Like he has good offensive principles. This team produced. He may not have been the right fit as head coach, but it's not like he was like Hugh Jackson or Freddie Kitchens or. And I'm not Adam. sure that was 100% Jason. Right. I mean, that's. I, mean, that's I don't know point. anything. I don't know anything, but right, I want. Right. I would be interested to know. Okay, this is. We don't want Jameis to have another offensive coordinator. We've got this franchise guy. Elevate him. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. That was a huge part of it. There's no question. That was a huge part of it. And that's and I will right. say that with Jason Light, one of the things I respect the hell out of him for is he did struggle. And he's been through – he's taken his lumps. He's taken yeah, his failures. He's not, he's not afraid to admit – he doesn't have an ego. Right. He does not have an ego. He traded up for a kicker. He cut him the year a year later. He didn't say, we're going to stick with this guy and we're going to fix this guy and we're going to bring in a kicking specialist and blah, 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 blah. He cut him. He is yeah. not afraid to cut his losses – and move on. And that's right. rare right. in this in this industry. Yep. So they're in good hands, no question. We got to wrap this thing up. A long lost glazer says, saw someone say they were excited for this matchup of quarterbacks who are most likely to dominate the NFL for the next 10 years. Oh, I think the eight. Eight. Man agreed. <laughs> it's pretty amazing, man. After this is all over, we're gonna have like a whole episode just like 
basking in what Tom Brady is. I mean, it is just dude is 43 years old. And I for people who get schematics, like I know I can nerd out a little bit on that stuff, but this offense is just not easy for a quarterback at all. It is not like a scheme friendly. You look at these quarterbacks putting up like, you know, Ryan Tannehill and all these guys, and it's like, I know they're playing well. I'm not saying they aren't, but it's just like there are things about it that scheme a lot of options for the quarterback and make yeah. it easy. And this is just not that offense at all. Rodgers, Tannehill, Goff. Right, like all of these guys get more help. I mean, Bruce is th- into the fire with you. And like at <laughs> 43, uh, it's just we'll never see anything like it again. Really well. No, it's special. Um, and and we get to be firsthand witnesses to it. So it's pretty, pretty awesome. So there you have it, folks. If you're interested in more of our content and stuff that we do like this tomorrow, I'm going to be hosting a show on locker room tomorrow night, uh, or sorry, not tomorrow night. It will be tomorrow afternoon, actually, uh, tomorrow afternoon, uh, sometime in the afternoon. Actually, if you, if you just go to locker room and download the app, if you have iOS and download the app, um, then you can follow Pewter Report on it's the app is called Locker Room. You can follow Pewter Report on the app. And what it does is we basically will go live and it's a social audio platform. So we'll talk about something related to the game, the all 22. We'll talk about some of the plays in the game, the key plays in the game. We get into a little more of the details. It has been a really fun show. People have really liked it. Um, I think we've had a nice little group in there. We chat about some nerd stuff and it's fun, uh, but it's changing the way we talk about sports locker room is it's the only place for live audio conversations about the takes, rumors, news, and teams you care about. You can react to sports news as it happens, gather all your friends and watch parties for the biggest games, rep your favorite sports teams and find your community. Better sports talk is just a tap away. Download on the Apple app store and join the conversation. That's locker room is the app. We'll get on there, follow Peter Report, and I'll just send you an invitation at that point when we go live so you don't have to like look for anything another anywhere else. Yeah. I usually tweet it out. but So uh, that, just kind of be aware of that going down and uh, tomorrow, and then we'll be doing that again before the Super Bowl and at halftime of the Super Bowl too. We'll have that going on. It's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, it's great time fun. to be a Bucks fan. And we'll be back on Wednesday night, 7.30 p.m. for another podcast, and then Thursday, 7.30 p.m. as well for another podcast. So – yeah, as Haas Y Duke says, Tuesday locker room sessions are the best. They are a lot of fun. Uh, it's a good little Bucks insider fan thing to Absolutely. be a part of. Uh, we're up to we're up there too. We're up over seventy followers now, I think, Taylor, and that's a brand new platform. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah, about that. And, it, and they're super fun. I mean, when we do them before the game, when we do them at halftime, just letting. I mean, I know the comments are fun and everything like this that you guys do on the on the uh, podcast, but just being able to go, come on up and just talk right. with us, just. Right. I mean, it's just such the level of interaction with you guys. is. I mean, that's my favorite thing about this job. Right. I've said it a million times. I love covering the Bucks. I love writing about them. My favorite thing is giving the fans information, hearing what they think about the information, what they think. That's just my favorite thing. You guys make it so much fun, and Locker Room just adds to that fun. Last thing I'll throw out there, if you or anybody you know is a business owner that you think would benefit from advertising with Pewter Report, hit me up on Twitter at Ledyard NFL Draft. My DMs are open. Send me a DM and let me know who that person is, and I can look how to get a hold of them and things like that. We would love to to, to get some of some of y'all in here as advertising. Right now, we can help a lot of businesses. Let's just put it that way. There's a lot of traffic. There's a lot of attention on the box. Yeah. So if you have people in mind on Twitter at Ledger NFL Draft, just DM me. Uh, let me know or jledge15 at gmail.com. Uh, hit me up on email and uh, and I'd appreciate that. And we'll try and get in touch with those people. Uh, as soon as possible. So thank you all for listening and appreciate y'all for listening and for joining us on another edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Out. Out.